Welcome, friends, to the next episode of Soul Kitchen. I'm talking to Carlijn Nelissen today. She's also from the Netherlands. And we will be talking about topics of freedom, minimalism and living in nature, redefining success, being in your own way, reimagining work and leadership, shifting toxic cultures at work. And Carlijn is the founder of On Purpose Studio and currently living in, um, in Portugal. How are you uh, today, Carlijn? Hi, Jasper. Hi. I'm doing good and I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, I get really excited about the topics you're just describing. And I've been following your journey a bit. So I think there are a lot of similarities and I'm really looking forward to uh, the conversation we're having here. I agree. So we met on uh, on LinkedIn. Sometimes when I meet someone online, I feel I, meet, I know them already. Um, but we actually have never met in, in real life. Um, so you're the founder of the On Purpose Studio. So what brought you into this field of purpose? Uh, yeah, good question. Tough question. <laughs> good question <laughs> in the beginning. Um, yeah, so just briefly, because I was working uh, in an organization for a while, I have a background uh, in behavioral sciences, organization psychology, And I'd been working for seven years in organizations to help foster innovation and to uh, facilitate cultural transformations. And what I noticed there is the biggest bottleneck is actually people's mindset. So the the convictions um, managers have, beliefs about how things are supposed to be. And um, we noticed that we always had the most impact if we focused on that. So that was the base for starting the On Purpose Studio because we believe all people are generally good. Uh, We're just sometimes stuck in an ego mode where we're trying to prove or defend. And I think we can shift a lot of toxic cultures around if we can um, unlearn those those modes. Can you elaborate? uh, Can you give one example when a mindset was an obstacle? Uh, Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's a common... A challenge like a lot of uh, founders and leaders have is uh, a tendency to to be in control. Um, I had that myself as well with my own team um, that you feel you have to be uh, on top of things in order to to ensure success, but you're actually suffocating people and you're so, actually limiting them to to do their work well. So being in control is 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 limiting people, and why? Yeah. Uh, why do people want to be in control? Uh, because we want to ensure, we want to have security. We want to ensure a good end result. Yeah. There's, so there's a fear that maybe it won't go right or maybe someone maybe misunderstood what is the end result. So people want to have a good result and you're talking about, uh, you're working in, in, in corporate environments? 
um, yeah, so we work with, with uh, corporates as well as uh, scale-up founders. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, so you said people want to be in control because they want to have good results. But what you notice is that actually the opposite then, then happens, or what did you notice in that? Yeah, yeah, it's funny, right? We, we, um, and it's actually a vicious cycle. So the more we take control, the more the people around us start to become uh, demotivated or apathetic because they're like, ah, it's pointless. He always, he or she always wants it his his or her way. Never mind. Uh, so it also becomes a vicious cycle where uh, you have to become more the person that takes control because no one else wants to anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, while when you act from a place of trust, you actually give people way more responsibility to and space to think about a problem themselves and to solve it. I can see. So with control and demotivation, it's kind of a, a downward spiral. And how are these, um, this control, how is that related to ego mode and, and toxic cultures? Before we move to the solutions that you offer, I want to understand the other uh, problems that you have. Yeah. Yeah, I think the base of both of them is fear. Fear, yeah. Because what is ego mode? What, what does it actually mean? So the ego mode is, is like, uh, it's how we, we framed it, uh, the ego mode, but it's like, it's actually um, everything we do driven by fear and fear of uh, not being good enough, fear of being rejected, fear of um, losing something. So we're, it's actually our, our ego is trying to do a good job, right? It's trying to protect us. And it has a set of old uh, strategies that worked in the past to keep us safe yeah uh, to 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 portray a perfect image outward that those are all behaviors that come from the ego so for example it's whenever we uh, uh for example when i become defensive or i try to prove myself or i please others or i ignore people say, and i don't care um or i hide myself i make myself smaller those are all strategies of the ego and yeah. they're actually blocking, um, yeah, space for your bold, wise, kind, and authentic self, which we all have, but it's sometimes just blocked by those uh, patterns. I see. So the ego is blocking the bold, wise, and authentic self that everyone can can access, and yeah. and the toxic culture that you uh, describe, like, is that. Accumulation of individuals having ego problems, or what's the toxic culture? Yeah, I, I think it's because um, I, I, I think I believe like ninety percent of all conflict uh, is caused by ignorance, or someone was just tired or hungry. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're in an organization where there's a lot of conflict, um, uh, it feels really toxic, right? It costs a lot of energy when everybody is. Um, I say saving their own ass, right? They, they act from fear. Whereas, um, if there is, if 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 someone acts from a place where they are calm and not stressed, uh, you react differently in a situation. 
And it's actually those small moments, just in each meeting, in every conversation, decisions you make, where a toxic culture is created or broken. I, I see. And these, these toxic, toxic cultures you identified in your, uh, your previous work environment. And, and then what made you start the, the Purpose Studio? Uh, well, the, the great resignation. I don't know if you're familiar uh, with that term. Um, because of COVID, right? Well, the number one uh, research shows that the number one driver of the re great resignation is toxic cultures. Okay. Um, so, so it's the reason people leave companies because they're sick of being uh, in an environment where they don't feel free, where they can't have impact. Uh, and in an environment that causes so much harm and stress to their lives. Yeah. And I think COVID definitely, um, um, yeah, definitely exaggerated that trend because people became more aware of the patterns because they had the opportunity to zoom out a bit because they were working from home. They had time to reflect on what really matters. And I think that has driven a lot of people to quit their job. And um, with the great resignation, because I've, I've read about it, but with your on-purpose uh, studio, right? Or on-purpose yeah. company? Yeah, on-purpose on studio. studio, yeah. Are you um, helping people that resign to find a new purpose? Or are you uh, trying to help people not to, not to resign? Like, like where's your, your focus? Yeah. Um, so the focus is on that... Uh, like my belief is that companies are actually really cool, right? It's so fun to work with a team towards a collective goal. That, that can be uh, uh, so fulfilling, but it rarely is. And um, as a result, people quit their job uh, and often become an entrepreneur like, like yourself. You, you want to do things your way. You start a company. Uh, but lots of those uh, startups and scale-ups eventually also become uh, toxic. So that's why we started the On Purpose Studio, because we believe it's important to have a place, an online space, where you practice this state of being. Uh, so being on purpose, being conscious of how what you say and do affect others. Being conscious of breaking vicious cycle, uh, cycles. Yeah, in short, just to be on purpose, to make yeah. space for your, your your wise, your bold, your authentic self, because I think that's what we need a lot. And uh, you mentioned it's a it's a state of being. Um, I actually did an analysis on Google uh, keyword Google Trends. Yeah, and uh, people look twice as much for being compared to doing. I found that quite uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you knew that, but what is the what do you mean with the state of being? So um, when you enter a meeting room, for example, whether it's online or, or offline, you, you bring with you a certain energy, right? If you're stressed and upset, everybody else around you feels that. Mm -hmm. When you are calm, uh, when you're uh, confident, everyone feels that as well. And um, from a physiological perspective, it's really contagious. So if one person is super stressed and, and goes into a room, uh, it affects the others and makes them also more stressed. So that's why we, say, why we say take responsibility for the energy you bring into the room. Practice a state of being 
more than a skill because I think a leadership is way more about who you are and not as much uh, what you say. Yeah, so it's... Um, I, I heard uh, from someone else that I interviewed that there's horizontal development, uh, which is about practical skills. And there's vertical development where you grow your, your consciousness and your your being, uh, kind of. Yeah. You seem to focus on the on the last part. Yeah. But you also mentioned about like being calm and wise and authentic. Um, but as far as I understand, there's two different elements, right? So one is that you want to be balanced and grounded and calm. Yeah. The other part is like, what's your mission in life? What's your purpose in life? So these can be two different things, right? I could be calm, but, but still not know what I want out of life. So, so how do you see <laughs> two different yeah. things? Are they two different things or for you, they're the same? Um, well, I think if someone is uh, like to just to define the type of leader that we envision is it's someone who's on purpose, meaning it's like a humble person on a mission. Mm -hmm. So it is someone, like you say, um, calm, uh, but knowing the role they have in that situation or in the bigger picture. Yeah. And like a, a lot of people maybe don't, don't know their big purpose. I think there's also a lot of emphasis on that question. Uh, it's, it's also a growing trend. And I think we can find a lot of purpose in the small moments. So just before uh, a new project or before a meeting or before um, making a decision to ask ourselves, what's my role in this situation? What's the effect I can have on others, on nature? So you can find purpose in, 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 in small moments. And what is your own uh, purpose? Um, yeah, I think... It shifts, I say it shift evolves over time. Um, but I think my role in a group is often to challenge what is possible, uh, to make complex stuff simple, um, and to make space to, to have fun, to enjoy what you do, to appreciate the little things. I think that's my purpose. So you challenge what's possible, you make complex things simple. And you encourage fun and enjoyment. Uh, I also read something uh, about that you want to create positive ri ripple effects. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. What What do you, can you elaborate that? I think that's related to that. I, I um, For me, I find a lot of meaning in uh, if I can be of value to someone else or if I can shift the situation around or make a different choice that doesn't harm others. Um, so with positive ripple effects, I mean that like with every choice you make, you affect yourself in the future, you affect others and you affect nature. So when you are conscious of how your words, your actions, your decisions affect those around you, it puts you and your actions in a bigger picture. I see. So you want to, uh, I like what you said. So there's impact on you, others and nature. Yeah. Um, can you give one very specific example where you helped someone maybe during the program or in, 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 the, in your work or life where you helped someone with a yeah, positive ripple effect? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, for example, um, well, it, for example, in, in the program, it's also a lot about taking care of your being before doing. 
Um, so to make sure you feel good so that when you're in a tough situation, you're able to stay present and to act uh, consciously. Um, so what, a big part of the, uh, the on-purpose program is about designing your day. Uh, mm -hmm. So there, um, uh, I was able to, um, to inspire many people who joined the program, but one in particular, um, to design her day differently so that she didn't have meetings before 11 uh, mm -hmm. to focus on finishing the things that are important to her and to make sure she exercised and meditated and then having a really difficult situation later in the in the board uh, meeting but being able to stay calm and really um uh how i say disarm a toxic situation and that ripples far beyond just that moment because it's it changes the conversation um but everybody feels good at the end of that conversation in that board meeting and they also go home to their families Right? And when you come home super frustrated from work, you react shitty to the people around you there. Um, right. So the ripple effects go further and further. And, 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 and so you help this person redesign their day. And, and did that help the person uh, being differently in, in that meeting where these two connected? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Totally. So it's the difference of um, feeling rushed uh in that in that meeting or being able to be present and to see the patterns going on so to see the ego modes of the others and to be able to ask questions so you can uh have a honest conversation about people's fears instead of getting a very heated discussion or and feeling frustrated afterwards but i like um the example of, of redesigning your day someone uh, asked me once i always remember that like do you run your day or does the day run you I don't know. <laughs> do you know that yeah. yeah 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 um can you share a bit in your uh in your life um yeah when when were times that days were running you and, and when did you shift that around can you yeah yeah good question yeah uh and yeah totally I asked, I asked this question because we talked earlier and then you mentioned that you had certain philosophy around your morning. So, so I specific, specifically ask it to you because you seem to be interested in this. Yeah, 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 definitely. This is a, a topic I, I love a lot, mostly because I failed on it a lot as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I used to uh, run an innovation agency in, in Athens, in Greece. And in that phase, I was really trying to prove um, to the founders, uh, uh, I said my bosses, eh, to be uh, that I'm good enough, that I could do it. At the same time, I was pleasing to customers, to our clients, our corporate clients, um, that we could do it all. So I was overpromising as well. <laughs> so, um, and that led me to be mostly very busy. And I had, uh, we had this new office and new, new local team. And, and I had the feeling that, okay, now I have this office and the team. So I need to be there from nine to six. I need to be at the office. Um, but I have ADHD. <laughs> I'm easily distracted. Mm -hmm. I'm 
I'm not my best, uh, most productive at the office. And especially not when I'm interrupted. So uh, as you can imagine, if I'm working there and team members have questions, then I get distracted. And so what ended up, I would, I'll give you a very concrete example. So mm-hmm. how my days were. So I woke up generally like at seven and then I would get out of bed, you know, have some tea, uh, shower, rush and drive um, to Athens which was 45 minute drive without traffic, mm-hmm. but during rush hour in order to be t- at the office at nine, uh, it would take me at least an hour or an hour and a half. Um, then I would be at the office. I would do some work, but I would be interrupted all the time being impatient with my team members, feeling like i oh, hurry up with your question. I have stuff to finish. Um, I would have lunch at around 12. I always felt tired after lunch always felt a bit sleepy then was having meetings but not really being being there being sharp and then drive home again (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. same rush hour Uh, but still having to finish the work that I had to get done that day Um, so after I ate something at home I would work till late at the evening until 11 to finish um, a work I had to do or presentation I had to prepare or proposals I had to write and then I couldn't sleep after closing the laptop. I need about one or two hours to unwind. So I would sleep at one and then wake up again at seven. So sleep six hours. That oh, was my <laughs> my routine. Sleep deprivation. For, yeah, for a few months. Mm-hmm. And also this, this, this didn't include exercising, which I had always done since I was a kid. But then for... A few months already, I didn't have time. And every time, yeah, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow. So that didn't work because I, I really lost all my energy. And, and because I was stressed, I was making um, more stupid decisions. You know, you make, when you get stressed, you make very ad hoc, short-term decisions. So the work piles up more and more, actually. Uh, so at some point, I had to pull the brakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because I was really uh, burned out. So I said, okay, this doesn't work. So I took a three-week break, but then I went back to work. I also got support from the Netherlands, which was, which was nice. But for what I did, mostly I shifted saying, okay, what works for me? When yeah. is my energy good? Because if, if I leave, this whole company is going to fall apart. So I have to make taking care of me a priority. Um, so then I shifted it. I said, okay, I used to always wake I w- wake up early also when I was studying. I always woke up at six, uh, five or six and then had some focused hours. So I did the same, wake up at uh, six, uh, work uh, some hours, like three hours, then do some exercises, some meditation, go for a swim, you know, something like that, go for a run, um, drive to the office uh, around 10 or 11 without traffic, um, have some focused meetings until three, and then I would drive home and have lunch there, take a nap after lunch, finish some work or do a last meeting online, and that's it. And it was so much easier because I wasn't fighting the whole day like you said when the day is running you 
Yeah. And you have so much more time. And and what I remembered most about it was my team telling me uh, how much they love the shift because I felt a bit guilty that I was taking this time for myself. Uh, but they said like it's such a difference. Like when you're here now, you're really here. And when we ask something, you're so sharp and you, you can help us, but you're actually really present and patient. I see. So you really... Uh, yeah, shifted how you uh, designed your day and you moved from from guilt around prioritizing yourself towards like yeah owning that and and they say pain uh, pain is a source of transformation was that true in your case because of this burnout uh, feeling like did you really have to reach rock bottom before you change something um i think i think partly yes but was but I, I think what I needed most and what, what helped me realize was the others in my team telling me that I wasn't doing so well. Mm. Because in my mind, I was doing fine. You know, yeah. I was like, yeah, I know it's a bit struggling, but it's okay. So it's funny how you tell yourself that it's all right or you just have to get through this day or, you know, and it wasn't until my team, some of my team members said to me, like, I know you're my boss and it's not my business, but are you okay? Or the, or someone else said the energy you have had and the, was the reason I joined uh, this company. And I haven't seen that energy for a while. I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. So that's, I, that's, that's something real. Like I need to work on that. Yeah, so it was a wake-up call from others. Yeah, that's sometimes n needed, right? That people like wake you up and then then you make a change. Yeah, yeah, that's, totally. That, that's beautiful. I really like the 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 redesigning the day because you can read tons of books and 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 go to conference, etc. But if you don't implement it in your day, then then it doesn't make any any change. I want to know more about. Uh, how your program looks like but before we go into there i'm curious uh if you can share a bit about your life and the choices that you have made and um i saw a linkedin post recently uh that kind of went viral about your past year so can you tell a bit more about that and can you also tell why you feel it resonates within yeah with people in the current zeitgeist so to say yeah yeah uh yeah that that post resonated with way more people <laughs> than i expected mm -hmm. um and yeah it was about how many uh, people I, I think half a million half a million right yes yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. Touch, you touch something that that more people dream about so yeah tell, tell me more about them yeah, so it's it's about so I wrote a post about um living in without a house for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's about yeah simplifying and being more in nature and having more free time, focusing on the things that truly matter and less on the materialistic stuff that we sometimes tell ourselves that matter or society tells us that matters. Um, yeah, so for me, it's, it's I like life for me is like one big I say experiment, right? <laughs> it's one mm -hmm. big adventure. Yeah. Um, and I, I notice that I'm always most happy when I, when I live simply, when mm -hmm. I don't want more than I have, for example. So 
um, I think this started like five years ago uh, when I was living, still living in Greece. I chose to live in a small studio of 35 square meters, even though I had the salary to rent uh, uh, a big uh, house. Mm -hmm. I chose a small place um, that encourages me to spend a lot of time outside because it was at the beach. So, And I did, didn't have to spend a lot of money or time on maintaining the place and keeping it clean and, and also just to not have yeah, a huge closet and all this stuff. And, so, and that made me feel really good. So gradually, I think that has become like a way of living, like you could say minimalism or whatever. I think uh, uh, just about yeah, how to, just, just to question what you really need mm -hmm. and to let go of stuff. Um, and then uh, last year, um, I decided uh, after ending a relationship, I was thinking, okay, should I rent a place for myself? I actually didn't feel like it. I wanted to explore Portugal and I just uh, done also a permaculture uh, course and I wanted to learn more from, uh, learn more about really living in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, so I decided to start then uh, by living in my Jeep. Uh, together with a good friend, uh, she went with me and we started traveling uh, across Portugal. Mm -hmm. uh, and after that, I lived in uh, Switzerland in a mountain hut for four months and then uh, in a van in Portugal and later in a tent. And uh, yeah, so that was a year without running water, without electricity and any other of the facilities that we're so used to. And um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I hear two different things, right? Minimalism and, and living in nature. Yeah. So can you explain why you're drawn to these two things? Um, yeah, I think it's... Time is really uh, scarce. And sometimes we can get stuck in stuff. Mm -hmm. Either acquiring stuff or, or uh, maintaining the stuff we have. And it takes up time. Uh, so living more simple with less stuff uh, costs less money, but also costs less time. Uh, and if something doesn't cost you money, you also don't have to earn that money. So that also gives you time. So that's <laughs> that one. And regarding um, nature, I like to spend time in nature. But I also know that we often, like just humans, we, <laughs> we pollute nature a lot. And me too, when I... The, the way I do or did things, I pollute nature. So I would like, I would like, I, I liked to learn more of how can I live in nature without harming it. And and um, and, and 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 what? Um, yeah, what made you? Or have you always been like environmental conscious, or is that later 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 development? Um. No, I, I've, no, not not really. I mean, I've always been a big nature fan. Like uh, as a kid, uh, our, my parents would uh, take us to the mountains, and we would always, even though we had a big house at home, we would always sleep in a tent or sleep on the mountain, and really be in nature with just one backpack. So I think I got a bit there, and and that you have to, res yeah, that you because you feel connected with the nature, you respect it, and you you don't leave your trash around and stuff like that, eh? common sense. 
And of course, the last few years around sustainability, it really intrigues me. And also in, in, in innovations we did, it was an important pillar. But simply put, like uh, I think you see that as well a lot in the Netherlands, right? When, when you're doing the dishes, like really practical. So yes, in rationally, I care about sustainability. But when I'm doing the dishes, that soap just goes through the sink and someone else will clean the water. It's not my problem. Mm -hmm. I, I should buy something that is maybe uh, like a, recyc a recycled plastic bottle or it's even better if it's biodegradable. But I don't really see it. You know what I mean? You don't see the impact. Whether, while well, actually when you're traveling and you do the dishes in a small bucket and then you throw that water on the plants. Mm -hmm. If you do that three days with the toxic um, uh, soap, after a few days you see the plants dying. Like yeah. That for me is it's a really simple way to learn about the importance of of the products we use so the more connected or closer we are to nature the more aware we are of its relevance yeah that uh no that 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 i agree with and i want to know what you learned from this year but why did it resonate with so many people yeah yeah um good question i think a lot of people um have a desire what i also read from the message messages i received like a desire to connect with nature but also to have more free time to not uh spend yeah spend their life inside or inside an apartment or working non-stop uh, towards a materialistic goal that in the end won't make them really happy so i think that I think that those are the, the, the messages that I've received a lot. So I think that resonates. And in general, I mean, it's the way we're living is it's not really sustainable. So I think a lot of people are waking up to that um, urgency and feeling yeah, that they want to take action in their own life on a small scale um, to live more with nature instead of exploiting nature. I... I see. Now that, that makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people want a more simple life. They want a more sustainable life. They want to have a better balance, you know, between their work and their, their life in general. So why is it then so difficult uh, for a lot of people to kind of escape from their possessions and their obligations and their, their, their current life? Yeah. Yeah. Fear. I think. <laughs> Again, fear, Again, right? I think, yeah, because it's a, it, I think it's a false feeling of security. Like the a house will keep me safe, and or I need X and X to to ensure that I'm safe or that I have enough to provide for my family, and 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 of course, like also what I'm describing in in the world, uh, yeah, where 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 we are from i mean we're really privileged first mm -hmm. of all to, to, to be able to say ah let's live more simple and <laughs> let's not need all this luxury i mean that's that's already um um i say yeah a big privilege um but yeah i think a, a lot of people are real like are questioning maybe that's the right word are questioning what's the point 
a question like why am I working uh, so much um, at sometimes a job they they don't like or a company they don't like um, to acquire stuff that doesn't that won't make them happy I think a lot of people are questioning what gives them fulfillment and what brings them joy mm-hmm. and how they can design their life more according to that and um um, I have one more question about the fear because one of the fears that people have is financial fears and it can yeah. be fears around uh, relationships or around certain location but but it often comes down to financial fear so if we look at at your your transition from uh, uh, leading the, the this company in Greece to towards living in Portugal with your own business did you have any uh, financial fears yourself uh no, not not really. Um, but I also had the. Um, I created the financial space like so that I didn't have to work for a year, so okay. that I could, so that I could invest time to create the new company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also it was also a really simple calculation. So okay, if I have a year salary on my account. And let's say I spend uh, four thousand a month. What if I spend a thousand instead? Then I can, uh, then that can last me four years. Yeah. So yeah. how do I just downsize in the cost that I have, uh, in order to buy time to work on something that's really meaningful to me? Yeah, yeah. So you can downsize your costs. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, and creating a buffer is that also something you recommend to people that want to make a certain transition? Yeah, I think it's good to create to have a bit of a buffer. I mean, it's like it it gives yeah it gives you peace of mind. Uh, but to really question what you really need to let go of a lot of stuff that you don't need, and I, I think also secretly I think like a lot of people are also blocked by the fear of not living up to other people's expectations. Ah, that's a, that's a strong one. Can you elaborate on that? So, for example, could be. It could be your friends, right? That you you're a certain person, or you have a certain career, or um, so so you you've been for years, you know, becoming someone, mm-hmm. and people look up to that, or you're on your way to make sure people look up to you, but also you make people you've made people dependent on you, like friends and family, and I think a lot of people have a fear uh, when they let that go that uh, maybe I will be rejected for me it was also weird to write on linkedin hi i'm carolina i've been living in a tent you know it's 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 a bit strange in a way um but i think of all the stuff i've let go the past year i think most have let go of that fear of disappointing others Yeah. yeah it's a strong one right it can also be towards your parents or uh, indeed, certain certain business partners. But yeah. I found out since I I've been I left Amsterdam 15 months ago, and I've attracted more people that are kind of like minded. And some people yeah. disappeared, but maybe they had to to disappear anyway. So it it also feels like a natural uh, process if you really follow your heart. In a yeah, way. totally, totally. And I, I think for me also, it's been a. I was surprised also when I moved to to, to Greece at the time that the connection with friends and family only became stronger. 
Um, so it, it was, we didn't see each other that often, but when we did, it was more intense and more quality time. And some friends, yeah, they, that you filter, <laughs> it filters itself out naturally and you meet new people. And I've also learned that people will judge you. Even good friends will, will question what you do or will judge you. And that's okay. <laughs> but, and that often the people who are the most critical Mm-hmm. will um, will do the same thing a few years later. And oh, I've seen that happen a couple times. That's funny. They first, so they're, je- they're jealous then maybe. And maybe not jealous, but I think it's just their, um, if they are against it, then it's okay that they didn't do it yet, right? Mm, I see. And, and what have you been judged for, for instance? Well, for example, when I moved to Greece, uh, so I, and I left Amsterdam and then I moved there. So about seven years ago, I quit uh, drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I drink every, you know, I could drink a, a glass of wine here and there. But in general, like if I would go out, I wouldn't drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a lot of my friends back in Amsterdam, that was difficult because they knew me as someone, you know, ah, yeah, let's go for a drink, have fun, drink a lot. Um, so they judged me for being, you know, uh, as we say in Dutch, ongezellig. Yeah, yeah, it's a for, very for being, Yeah, yeah <laughs> for, for being the party pooper, you know, like, oh, it's so boring, you're not going to drink. Um, and then, um, you know, and then they judged that, right? Or uh, when I decided I don't do meetings before 11, people judged it maybe as selfish in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and when I moved to Portugal people judged it maybe as being a hippie <laughs> but and that's a, and that's okay because in the end I always see like a few years later the people who are most critical they they um, they do it themselves yeah that's great so these are all uh, the, the alcohol, no meetings before 11, the, the, the Portugal, the, these are all behavioral changes that maybe have, uh, yeah, people have to get used to. It's interesting. I quit alcohol two and a half months ago, really changed my life for the better. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. In what way? Uh, I feel more energized, more healthy. Uh, I shifted my focus from more like bars, restaurants to like s- listening to my body and sleeping early and waking up early yeah um and when i drink I, I i can get really into my head you know i have certain doubts certain questions um so i feel very energized and this weekend six friends of amsterdam are coming to to estonia so this is my first uh, test <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my yeah. my in my um yeah in my friend group but but i know i will will stick to it but that's that's really interesting. So, so when you change the behavior, and and, the, and the, sorry, and a good trick I like always is just to order like sparkling water and then ask at the bar just to add like ice and lemon or some mint that it looks ah, like a drink. It looks like a cocktail. Uh, yeah, and I always notice like when you're around people for an hour, you loosen up anyway. It's not the alcohol, so <laughs> that's yeah, that's a that's a very good uh, trick. The, now, I'll, I'll try that, but it really shifts. Uh, yeah, it it shifts uh, something. Uh, mm. Really, the yeah, at some point you're just tired and you go to bed. So <laughs> yeah, true. It, yeah. it really really shifts. Yeah, but then um, uh, so yeah, we talked about um, fear of finances, fear of not living to others' expectations. 
um, if we talk about um, uh, your program, so it's a 28-day program. Yeah. Uh, so can you explain how you've structured the program, how you've designed the program, what, what your intention is with the program, etc.? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so the program is uh, designed to empower leaders to become aware uh, of their ego mode, so their patterns where they are behaving from fear. So we all mm -hmm. have habits, stories in our minds and beliefs that drive our behavior. And uh, uh, to, to become aware of that and to unlearn some of them. So the way we've structured the program is uh, aligned with the moon cycle. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's 28 days. So it starts on the new moon, um, which represents new beginnings. It's planting seeds. Um, so from, from ancient times, uh, 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 farmers have been planting seeds during um, the new moon because mm -hmm. the water rises. Uh, and in the following uh, in the first seven days, it's about observing. So there are seven days where you, each day you have a different theme. For example, today I observe my breath. Today I observe my words. Today I observe my choices. To become aware of how you are uh, doing right now and uh, which patterns you may have. Then the second week is about uh, understanding. So why am I wired the way I am? Uh, so it's about zooming in on uh, your limiting uh, beliefs, but also uh, habits that are holding you back. Uh, so understanding where that comes from. But we spend only seven days on that mm. because we feel you can get lost in understanding. Right? So what's it's the difference between observing and understanding? Does observing mean that you observe without adding any value to it it's just factual observation yes exactly it's just um observing it without judgment uh without trying to figure out why it's that way just noticing mm -hmm. and then in in understanding we say we can you can get lost there is because right, if you go to a psychologist and you uh, understand uh, i'm like this because my mother was like that and she was that because like that because her mother was uh, neurotic and it's a never-ending story right and it's again a story it's it's true maybe right but it's a story and in the end what really matters is what you choose today right now mm -hmm. so that's why the third week which starts on the um the full moon which is is, is um symbolizes letting go mm -hmm. um is that week is about choosing. So the third week is about choosing. So we say, okay, we've observed it, understand it. Now we're going to choose differently in the moment. We're going to set ourselves up for success to choose differently, to mm -hmm. be present and to, let's say, my normal reaction would be to get really angry if someone said no to me. Right? No can be very triggering for a lot of people. And because I prepare myself for that, I'm going to react differently this time. So the, the third week is about choosing. And then the fourth week is about creating. Um, and that's about creating the ripple effects that we talked about before. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, uh, I believe there most of the motivation 
comes from our connectedness to others. So for example, it can be hard when you want to change habits to do it just for yourself and to stick with it. That's difficult. But when you see, let's say, Jasper, in your case, that you say, I quit uh, drinking, how that has affected uh, those around you as well. And then zooming in on that. Yeah. There's a lot of motivation there to keep that habit. Yeah. So that's why we spend a week on that there. I've a few people in my environment, they, they already became more aware of their, their drinking pattern. So they were also, yeah, they benefit from it. They mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a ripple effect. So it's, it's quite clear. Uh, some, some programs are a hundred day. Some are like, uh, there, there's this 365 days success program. So yeah. why did you choose 28 days? And can you share more? about like this moon cycle especially for people that that maybe have never heard about this can you like new moon full moon can you share more about why you've chosen them yeah yeah sure like for us it's um it's actually where we said it's about practicing a state of being and to see what's in your way and to shift it so it's actually a conscious change loop these 28 days so basically anything you would like to change you could apply this 28 days uh, method uh, to shift one habit at a time. Um, so, so it's actually practicing it for a month and then people can later uh, keep repeating it on their own. So yeah. that's why it's set up this way because it's, it's short, it's very immersive. Uh, you have, uh, I say you apply it directly in the day, you get insights. Um, and you see changes and there's a week uh, beforehand to set yourself up for success to prepare to prepare your agenda to prepare your mind and everything and there's a week afterwards to reflect uh, together as a group as well so in total it's six weeks and we like that it's short because you know like <laughs> life changes uh, uh, fast and you when you commit to a year program, it can be also a bit exhausting. And we like this sort of pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. uh, someone in the programs uh, coined it as uh, the consciousness speed train. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it fits us. Like it's, it's short, it's intense, it's super practical. Um, there's a lot of um, ancient wisdom uh, intertwined. So like, uh, living in alignment with the moon or with the um, with the seasons, with nature, that's that's part of it. But we said, how do we yeah keep it simple? Uh, and twenty eight days felt like uh, yeah, it's it's like long enough to to make a change, right? It needs yeah. twenty one days to change a habit, so it's with twenty eight days you can change. And I'm curious because. Um I did a program called Lifebook. It's a program of Mind Valley. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah, you go through twelve dimensions of your life, and you you're challenged to critically shape your vision for each element. And I found out that some of my purposes were conflicting. So on the one end, I wanted to work remote and travel the world, but on the other hand, I had a fear to say goodbye to one client in Amsterdam. So it really helped me to define its conflicting purposes and then make choices. Yeah, And it showed me that I wanted to improve on, let's say, my health, but also 
getting more clarity on my life vision. Yeah. Um, but what type of needs do your participants have? So it could be career, it could be finance, it could be health, it could be love, it could be, um, I don't know, intellect. Like, what with what type of needs do they come to your program? Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I guess you, you, you learn more about this uh, while you go. Yeah, 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 exactly. Often the thing you think you want to solve is not the main thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, most come because they want to be a better leader um, and lead more uh, from the heart, less from the head, uh, more from a place of trust, from purpose and not from fear and ego. So that's... Uh, yeah, what what most how most people describe that, um, and that they want to unlearn some habits that that are in their way. I think a lot of them. Uh, I mean, people in general, it, how we feel and how we view the world affects all our decisions, our conversations, our actions. Mm -hmm. um, and this program just helps you become aware of how you feel. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and how you view the world and how to shift that around. So for some, that might be uh, if you if you don't feel good, like a, a lot of people express that they feel tired and and um, uh, yeah, just a lack of energy. So for some, uh, that is caused because they don't find enough meaning in their work. For others, it's because uh, they. Um, they always take care of others, never for themselves. For another one, it's about drinking too much to relax after a day of work. I, I see. So so it's habit change and, and, and it's to become a, a better leader. And in the beginning, you talked about going from uh, wanting to control and fear to kind of maybe letting go and empower people. Yeah. So how do you help people to make that change from that control to empowerment like how, how does that work in the program do people read the book or you you give them a meditation like how does that work yeah <laughs> yeah um so we have a, a, a fundamentals uh, uh course so it's like a um it's like eight modules um workshops short workshops before the program starts that elaborates a bit on um reimagining leadership and organizations so it's not looking at organizations like a machine, but more like a self-organized organism that, that evolves gradually um, and how everything is connected. Um, so, so that's one part, but it's a combination inside the program. So it's on the one hand, it's a meditation, for example, to stay, uh, to practice being connected to that calm space inside yourself from where you can, consciously choose how you react so it's like in the morning you practice that and then later you can uh, connect with it when you need to uh, but on the other hand it's it's uh, about like one of the days is uh, today i ask for help so it's mm -hmm. about being practicing being vulnerable mm -hmm. um, or another day is i choose to listen actively which is related a lot about being kind and compassionate and being present and not trying to control the situation. I think lis like listening has a lot to do with letting go of control. Mm -hmm. 
because when we're too busy focusing on how we're going to react or trying to control how the other person feels or try to control where the conversation goes to, we lose our ability to listen, listen because we're trying to control. So if we can let go of our fear of, uh, yeah, of, of being judged or of how others see us, then there's actually space to just be present with the other person and listen. I see. So there are certain, uh, certain skills maybe that contribute to uh, becoming a more purposeful leader and then, then they get encouraged to practice them and to, to learn from those. Yeah, that, exactly. So that's, and I don't know if it's skills, but it's, but of course we, we share tools, like very concrete tools and, 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 uh, um, uh, words they could use as well but it's about practicing states of being that are related to vulnerability uh, compassion but also courage honesty authenticity so it's making these broad concepts super practical and zooming in on one a day to put them into practice and what type of leaders are mostly participating if you, how is the mix from like corporate to scale up to freelancers to entrepreneurs um yeah that's 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 an interesting one uh because when we started it on purpose it was just uh offline like it was just at companies and we uh worked with uh, uh one company at a time like one group was one company and we found that n people didn't share stuff with each other with their colleagues there it didn't really work uh, I mean, it, it worked, but it wasn't so interesting. And then COVID happened, and then we switched it to an online program and contacted people just B2C instead of B2B. And that gave a great mix because we have um, C-level executives, uh, senior managers, uh, but also founders of, of uh, mature startups or scale-ups from different countries. Uh, different age groups, so between, uh, say, 28 uh, and 48 mostly. But some are also a bit older and a bit younger, uh, ranging from India, Mexico, the Netherlands, uh, Spain, Greece, uh, Switzerland, <laughs> the UK. So it's a really nice mix. And especially, I think what is, what is, what's been an um, unexpected uh, value in that is that uh, what's been unexpectedly really valuable in that is that people um, are facing the same fears they have the same hopes dreams it doesn't matter if you're the CFO of a big law firm or the founder of a startup mm -hmm. you often have a similar um, uh, fears and doubts and I think that's such a powerful part of the program because it has a lot to do with uh, self-acceptance and being okay with, yeah, that's part of us that we have this inner critic and, and that's okay. Uh, and to take it less serious and just uh, be with it. And, um, and that, that, yeah, that's something that, that you share across cultures and age and titles. I think that's yeah. really powerful. So people realize they share the same fears and doubts. So we already talked about financial fears and uh, the fear of not being validated by others. Yeah. What other fears have you noticed in these groups? Um, fear of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. A fear of not doing enough. 
so even when people commit to the program they they spend like a um 10 minutes in the morning reading a short story and then another 10 minutes doing a meditation or filling in, in an exercise and still people say like ah yeah I, I i would like to do like maybe the program again so i could spend more time on it or be in a place maybe where i'm alone so i'm like fully focused on it it's like as if it's like never enough even <laughs> though it already had a lot of impact um so that's a fear uh, we discuss in the program a fear yeah fear of disappointing others so um what drives pleasing a lot mm -hmm. fear of making a bold move fear of being honest speaking mm. your truth or following your heart following your intuition yeah yeah that's that's really interesting once you're more aware of your own fears and the fact that others have them you can you can turn them around i can can imagine and um maybe you don't think in in like comp competition because you maybe attract the right people anyway but to what other places can people go because it's a it's a quite an original program 28 days focus on purpose but what's what are alternatives for people and i i guess i'm asking this from a yeah entrepreneur perspective i'm always curious like how the the market looks like yeah and if you don't want to mention name names maybe you can mention like i don't know types of, of alternatives yeah. yeah yeah i think there are there are great uh, uh programs around i mean uh, and we also ask people like what other programs they've been doing or what they're going to do afterwards uh, or what they've done afterwards uh, because I, yeah, also as an entrepreneur, I just like to to know, and also maybe programs that I like to do myself, um, to follow myself, and yeah, so it's a bit of a mix. So because it's because we combine business and spirituality, you can find uh, similar things, for example, in regarding how we view leadership and the paradigm around that. It's very much inspired by. Um, how MIT uh, views leadership as mm -hmm. well as, well as um, uh, uh, some universities that focus on business spirituality, that they have leadership Na programs. Nairode does that, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> of Paul de Blot. Yeah. He, he passed away uh, a year ago, unfortunately, but yeah, great inspiration. Um, and we see that people want to experience want to zoom in more on um recovering like the inner child and the trauma and they go more in co into courses that are related to that um, what type of course because you can do that in therapy what type of course do they then take so those are more course yeah courses like a breath work for example that are uh, focused on on overcoming uh, trauma or um uh, certain retreats um so i think th those are done a lot and had another uh someone sharing like more about um holistic well-being mm -hmm. which is more about like intrinsic health and there are some courses from an md that has a very holistic approach on, on well-being and health so i think yeah those are also interesting and uh, they're really complementary yeah so, so on the one hand, you have the universities that offer programs and you have holistic well-being and then you have more like breathwork, trauma therapy type of space. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, and, and 
because now I'm at Mind Valley University. Have you heard about that in your, your your participants? Like, do they also take courses there by any any chance, or is that a different field? Yeah, no, definitely also uh, uh, courses from Mind Valley uh, online. I haven't heard about the the, the retreat though. Ah, uh, the university. Yeah, the university where uh-huh. you are. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I haven't met m- many people from the Netherlands, by the way, but. Because uh, yeah. you you arrived there today, right? Uh, yesterday, yeah, and it's a three week. What I like about it is that it's uh, um, a three week thing, so it really feels like you live together with a big group. Yeah. Most retreats or conference that I know are a few days. Um, so that's and how I, how big is the group? Uh, Twelve hundred people. Wow. <laughs> crazy, um, yeah. Uh, crazy, yeah. And maybe this related to the future of on purpose. So, because now you have this one program, do you have any plans for the future to to expand your offering, or or, or you don't know yet? Yeah, yeah, we are exploring also to collaborate uh, to organize a, um, a, a f- yeah physical uh, retreat, so mm-hmm. to bring people together, and because some of those practices like uh, it. Yeah, it's, first of all, it's a really valuable to meet with people in person, but also some of the practices that Elena, my, my partner, uh, um, provides, which are uh, guided meditations, visualizations, but also breathwork exercises. It's really powerful to do them in person um, and to connect it more with this lifestyle of connecting in na- like being in nature, connecting with yourself. That would be really powerful. And we're working on a journal as well, so that people after the program can continue the uh, the way they design their day. Ah, so like, uh, yeah, so it will be like a journal, retreats, and a program. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, that's um, that's fascinating. And maybe um, uh, before I move to the next uh, topic, is there anything else that you want to share about? Uh, yeah, the, the 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 program that you have developed um no yeah we yeah we so we we have um uh we've no not really i think yeah we shared we talked about it a bit and uh, if people want more information they can check it on the website and we have new programs starting uh, in september september october november and december uh, november and january uh on the new moons uh, for program start that that's that's good to know and maybe i have one more question because the the the, the skills, the mindset, the state of being, I understand, and also some spiritual practices. But what is the business element? Because the program, it doesn't uh, conclude like, it doesn't include business strategy, for instance, right? Um, so what, well, are the business, what are the business elements? Yeah, so the business element is like how you are as a leader, how you collaborate with your team. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are also tools in there, like how to, you know, to get... Uh, uh, to do tough conversations, to get feedback, um, to agree on a project at the beginning, like what does done look like? So there's very practical tools as well. And I think what is a really important skill uh, in a in a very uh, uncertain and fast changing world is to to listen to your intuition. Mm-hmm. To connect with your inner wisdom and i think the best decisions are made from there um and yeah we we practice or we make space to listen to your your inner wisdom versus your already overburdened mind mm-hmm. um 
uh, yeah and and uh, and that's how the program is set up it's about practicing how you can be your best self uh, for your organization for your team because you know best like uh, we don't believe in like gurus or telling you exactly what to do i think it's more about making space internally so you know what to do yeah that you really, know in any situation what's best and really trusting your your inner wisdom as a leader yeah exactly that uh that makes a lot of sense i to me it starts to it starts to make more and more sense um maybe in the past i thought it was a a wishy-washy concept but it starts to make more and more sense so another topic is about uh, we talked about minimalism like living in nature and maybe that you made a certain uh, life shift so definition of uh, success so how do you uh, define uh, success and in the broader scheme in the 20th century as humanity we've been focused a lot on growing economically yeah now we start to see that there's limitations to this growth uh, what the planet can can handle so we start to see shift for instance schiphol the number of flights that are allowed have has been reduced uh, yeah recently so we see these these broader shifts but how do you view success and and how do yeah what's your view on that yeah yeah uh, yeah great question it's so nice to explore the question with with a lot of people like what what does success mean to you to me success means um reaching a state of, of of happiness for yourself and the and the people around you yeah um but i've never write, written written it down so but this comes comes when you ask me yeah <laughs> true but it has no, shifted yeah. from it shifted from certain achievements to 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 state of happiness also the soul kitchen is around like what are the ingredients to a happy life yeah um so for me definitely i was really performance driven for a long time because yeah i was looking for this validation mainly from family yeah um but now it's more about yeah the, the being happy and, and helping others to be happy yeah yeah that's a nice really nice shift yeah yeah and i, I that resonates with me a lot as well i think yeah for me um like you said like uh, achievements like trying to prove something or get somewhere um be somebody in a certain way uh i think that was driving me a lot in the past and um yeah and i've just made it wait yeah I, i've just realized like if you don't feel good um money isn't really um worth anything <laughs> mm -hmm. right like if you're not able to to get out of bed in the morning you can have all the money in the bank but it's worthless mm -hmm. um so what what does matter then um and to me it's like feeling good like feeling feeling good in my body being healthy having the energy and the strength to do the stuff i love doing so maybe the sport or to go to places um and also mentally so it's about being free mm -hmm. for me that's success being free to move being free to do things you want, not being limited by negative thoughts as well. Um, and to spend time, just to spend time how you want it with people uh, when you want to. So really concrete example, like the, 
like two weeks ago, my cat was really sick and it mm-hmm. vomiting a lot. And, and I took it to the vet. And uh, here in Portugal, things go a bit slow. So I had to drive for a while and there it took some time. And um, so it, I left it at 10 and I was back home at four. But I could be there. I, could, I wasn't stressed. I wasn't st- like I, w- I mean, I was worried a bit for the cat, but I wasn't stressed about work. I didn't feel guilty. And I, I was standing there, I think, waiting in the in the in the waiting room. I thought that's such a luxury that I can just focus on the things that matter when they matter. And mm-hmm. the same is true for positive things, like uh, like this weekend, uh, my sister came to visit and, and a friend and then I can just decide you know I won't work on on, uh, on a Monday I work on another day mm-hmm. um, so that to me is success and in this the just the daily things that you enjoy your, the daily things you do that you're able to be present and just be grateful for the small things and you like when you make a cup of tea and you make you happy or when you meet with a friend and you're you're there and your mind's not somewhere else yeah that to me is success it's about being present being free feeling yeah. good, uh being able to control your own time yeah and um and maybe yeah. um i'm thinking of what drives me a lot is like i always want to um get better like and before maybe it would be like to prove to others but I do get a lot of fulfillment from learning new stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's at work or in sports, but just, just being committed to, to practice, to train, um, to see how you change. So, for example, how I would respond to a situation in the past and how I would do it now, it's totally different. The same as in, in sports, like how I've, I have evolved. And I think that gives me a lot of feeling of fulfillment and, and success. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And um, what do you see in the in the people that you work with? Do they uh, do they shift how they define success during the during the program? Uh, or are, they, are they looking for a new definition of their own success? Yes, I think a lot of people who are drawn to the program have already started or redefined success to them that they want. Yeah, that they want to do things differently um but it definitely adds to what i hear a lot is people feel say that they feel more uh grateful like one person one person in the program said it made me realize i actually already have a pretty good life mm. uh, <laughs> that was a confirmation <laughs> yeah which is also nice but sometimes in our minds we it's like never enough and and to just take your to take time to reflect and to appreciate where you are today yeah and that's already amazing that's beautiful so at a, at a broader societal level what's your vision for what's needed on on how we view or define success um yeah good question difficult question difficult, uh, huh? and i think i think it's i think what what i mean a lot of the definition of about the, the current definition of success is about, I think, achieving a very, um, creating a, let's say, a, a shiny, polished life. Mm-hmm. So a life where you, where it's effortless and you are just able to relax, consume, um, 
and indulge in well luxury let's say mm-hmm. that that's success right um, yeah. but i think that i mean i i know from experience and, and there's a beautiful saying from a um a former uh, cyclist uh, Marte de Croo mm-hmm. if if you know him uh he yeah and he he he's a he's a good friend and he always says like happiness comes when the suffering ends mm-hmm. you know so he says when you cycle up a mountain you know the happiness you feel at the top of the mountain is because <laughs> you get, because it's the, you know the 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 suffering has ended like the pain and effort to get there is finished and that gives you such a relief and such a feeling of joy and i think in our society we we aim f- more for ticking the boxes than to make the effort mm-hmm. so let's say let, even here in the area I see people who take a, this tour with a jeep, and it says like explore or, or find secret spots. Mm-hmm. And then this jeep stops, and people get out the car in their best uh, Instagram uh, outfit, you know, and they come to this viewpoint, take a photo, and go back in the car and drive off again. Like check, check, we've seen it. The joy doesn't come from there. You <laughs> know, it doesn't. So right? Too much, it's, too much box ticking. Yeah, exactly. It's, we want to see we want to see six secret spots in one Sunday. We want to uh, hike uh, the the Mount Everest. We want to um, go to this top of the mountain on an e-bike. Like that's not the point, I think. <laughs> you know, it's, so uh, it's much, that's just too much ticking the boxes instead of making the effort. So, what is making the effort then? In your so making the effort is like. The example of the the mountain. In order to get to cycle to the top of the mountain, there are a lot of steps before. Right. So when, for example, when my parents used to take me to the French Alps and to go cycling there, the mountains, I would have like, oh, I really want to cycle the Isoar. Okay, that's that's my goal. So in three weeks, I want to be able to that do that. Okay. And then I'd already been cycling, but not the the mountains that much. Okay, I'm going to start with this mountain. It's a smaller one. And then that one. And then that one. I'm going to train. I'm going to have a resting day. And until you get to the point where you're able, where you are, you've become the person who's able to cycle up there. And that gives so much fulfillment. Rather than going there, taking a photo with a sign. I see. I see. And that's it. So it's a cliche, right? But it's basically about the journey, not not the destination. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, and yeah, and it's about the the making an effort, I think. And instead of instead of trying to get a, a most effortless life. Yeah, yeah. So, Maybe a funny anecdote of this is my my cousin. Um, he he makes uh, these bike packing trips, like mm-hmm. long bike packing trips, and backpacking uh, or bike bike packing yeah bike packing okay and he like sometimes he he sends a message he leaves the netherlands and five days later he's in sweden you know he's he 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 is a uh um, he used to be a pro as well so he cycles quite far but the, i love what he's how he describes his trips and how uh, what he focuses on he said if i would pack everything perfectly and everything would go really smooth on this trip it would be a very boring trip Mm-hmm. So he uh, consciously packs 
uh, as he describes it, suboptimal. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> suboptimal, because he says it's really nice to need other people, to, to, to need to ask for help, because the connection with the people in the countries he, he cycles through, those are the, the memories he's got and the feelings of connection and... Um, and that really changed my view on it as well. I see. So I think I, I belong to that group also of suboptimal. Uh, <laughs> my friends, uh, once I, w I went to China with uh, Albert Hein back and then <laughs> my friends were, were laughing. <laughs> well, that's, uh, and what happened? <laughs> What's your favorite um, moment I, of uh, traveling with Albert Hein back? I, <laughs> I survived, but I... Um, <laughs> I, I used to like forget like my contact lenses or, or like swimming shorts. So um, sometimes people were annoyed that I was not prepared, but I, I'm a li little bit like your cousin that I like the adventure of like meeting people and, and, and having spontaneous adventures. Yeah. Um, and I think now I found the middle way. Now I'm a little bit better prepared. So I don't have to, ne so I don't necessarily need other people. Right. Cause that can also, yeah. Be, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like a balance be between those two, I think. And, but that's beautiful. Yeah, I think if we shift our definition of success, it, it will be uh, better for the world. I mean, I think in Bhutan, they already measure uh, uh, happiness yeah. versus like just uh, economic uh, growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And literacy, like one of those indexes is for example, the literacy of the uh, children. Yeah. That, uh, that takes time. So another... Um, question i had so i met someone else on linkedin that is uh, advocating for uh, acceptance of neurodiversity he works for philips like people with add adhd yeah you mentioned that you're adhd so I'm, i was curious how has this influenced your 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 life uh, positively and, and negatively speaking yeah yeah i'll find it that you you mentioned it i also got, got a message the other day like that uh, i read the article the other day uh, like uh, neurodiversity that it's when you're dyslectic then I call it also neurodiverse okay and for ADHD then it's it's similar but um you're also dyslectic yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so you have the full yeah, package jack jackpot <laughs> yeah. um yeah I don't know for, for me it's. Uh, I think it has been more problem for others that I'm hyperactive. Okay. <laughs> like, like I wake up in the morning, like yeah, hey, yeah, it's a new day, which is like not nice for people who like to wake up slowly. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, it can be a bit annoying. I think in that sense, and like having a lot of, you know, a lot of yeah, just a lot of energy and being yeah easily distracted. That can be very difficult but i've really learned to to work with myself like to know um that i need to take time and like for with a dyslex uh, dyslexia i, I did a, a a training like a two-year training when i was 12 like from 12 to 14 in amsterdam like uh, on how to read texts mm -hmm. uh, in, in that sense so and i've had a good, really amazing teacher uh, when I was writing my thesis at the university in Amsterdam and she was saying like when we are discussing these topics you you blow my mind when I read what you write I, I get lost 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I'm so grateful. She invested uh, two hours a week for like a, a few weeks to help me reframe the things I want to to say. Okay. So that really drastically improved my writing skills, um, which I use now a lot, like also on LinkedIn and in, in the program and the articles. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful for the people around me that helped me with that. And regarding the ADHD, I think it's been uh, so. How do you say befriending it? Like knowing I I am easily distracted and I have a lot of energy, and that when I get tired, I get even more hyper. Okay. Yeah. So that's a sign that I'm really tired. Um, so just learning how to manage my own energy, I think, has been a game changer for me because what's the if you're ADHD and dyslectic what's the 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 main asset that you get as a result of that (laughs) (laughs) um I'm I'm really visual so um I think like in the beginning when you ask what's your purpose like making complex stuff simple I think Mm -hmm. that has a lot to do with my on the one hand impatience from the ADHD and that I see things very visually. Um, I envision things rather than I like to read them mm-hmm. um, or write them. And I think that enables me to make complex problems simple and explain them in a way that it doesn't take a lot of time or a long attention span. Maybe. Yeah, so that's... Um, um, yeah, so you can make stuff stuff simple. And... Um, uh did it bring you to this entrepreneurial um uh, career or or (laughs) is it not related um i think i think in a way i mean in in high school i had some difficulty um with it because i um they pushed me to a lower level uh, than i could um I mean, then I thought I could, but they, they disagreed, right? So <laughs> so in the last, uh, so afterwards I did, uh, after high school, I did two years in one year. Um, like I was uh, s- s- 16 or 17 and doing, um, yeah, we call it in the Netherlands, like when you're over 18 and you can do these two years of high school in one year. So I did that then. And I think that really gave me, um the confidence to like not listen to others okay and just do what i feel is good and if and if i make the effort i can i can do it i can do it in a shorter time and i think that gave me a lot of confidence to like challenge what is possible or to challenge people on what's possible and i did afterwards the same with my uh, uh, master so i spent it took me 6 years to finish my bachelor Okay. university and then i did two masters in one year so it was uh, uh slow slow learning you already took your time <laughs> yeah but again i think that with the dyslexia i just also often just misunderstood yeah you know and like i got misunderstood yeah. um but i always challenged myself to yeah to to get the things that are important to me yeah now that makes uh that makes sense. So you, you, yeah, a certain uh, disadvantage can become uh, advantage later, uh, later on. And um, yeah, what do I want to say about this? Like, do you 
do you recognize that other people have ADHD or like, is it like a, like a thing in, in your work environment or is it not much like a, like, like a thing, so to say? Um, yeah, personally, I don't, I don't like too much to have certain labels on things. Mm -hmm. and so, um, uh, so yeah, it's, but, but a lot of people say, for example, they have the feeling that they're always on. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's, um, but I recently read a, a, a research that ADHD is actually a sign of being, um, uh, really tired, like being over, um, uh, say, uh, over stimulate, stimulated, mm -hmm. um, so that it's more, um, that it's more an effect than a cause. Okay. Right? So, and I think in general, it's the, the, I try to avoid labels. I just try to uh, encourage myself and people uh, in the program to observe the patterns you have in your daily life and what's in your way and what you can do uh, to create the conditions, um, yeah, to create the right conditions for yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's important again, right? That you, you're aware of your yourself, create the right conditions, design your own day. So that seems to be a... a yeah, because... Because whether it's ADHD or um, whether it's that you were like e looking at screens all day and that makes you really hyper and it's hard for you to unwind afterwards, you might have you might face the same problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I can I, I can see. So that's no, but that's clear. But I was just curious how that that was for you. And then maybe another question I have because on LinkedIn I, I saw your post and now. I think you have 9,000 people following you. Is that something that you set a goal that, that a lot of people will follow you or is that something that, that happened uh, to you or through you or yeah, how do you feel that and how does that feel? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not really a, a goal. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's of course, uh, you know, great to see that the things I write resonate with people. Mm -hmm. um that's that's great but i think it's it's not a goal for me but in um it i have shifted how i work so for so a few years back I, um, reaching out to clients would be way more about like you know uh, knocking doors and uh, focusing on uh, x number of sales meetings a week like very mm -hmm. much this pushing energy yeah um and when I redesigned my day, I, it was also more about how do I go from this chasing energy mm -hmm. to more pooling energy. So what do I actually enjoy doing? And I love doing research and I love writing and um, uh, discussing with, uh, with like-minded people. And then I write, uh, in, I share interviews or I write uh, or share articles or research or I write posts about it or articles uh and that i i love to do yeah and uh, it's great to see that that people um uh, like to read uh what i share but i like that shift from pushing energy to to pulling energy and uh it resonates with me because i like to research also and i, I watch a lot of motivational videos uh online and at some point i realized oh maybe other people don't do this but and they will be interested if I curate content. 
but it took some courage kind of to start sharing more on this personal development topic or curate content. Yeah. Um, but I can see that yeah, the, the, the pooling energy that it helps. But do you see certain uh, in the future? I mean, it could it could grow to fifty thousand people. Like, do, do you do you see a certain maximum, or do you sometimes <laughs> yeah, um, you limit people to follow you? Yeah, I, <laughs> I've asked it myself because there are some people that have like a million followers. So I ask myself, like, like what what will be the limit? You know, or or what do I want with that? Do you have a certain vision on on that or? Or would you? Be um, no, I would like to reach. Like I like to to grow uh, the reach I have. So with the topics I write about, I like to. I mean, it's my my uh, mission, right? Is to to question the way we lead and the way we live, mm-hmm. and um, and I like if that reaches more people because that will influence perhaps the decisions they make or the way they design their life. Um, so if it benefits others, then, then it's a good thing. Uh, but the number is less relevant to me. Yeah. Like I just focus on what brings me joy and how I can facilitate my own freedom. And then the numbers is secondary. Yeah. So it's so you focus on what's important to you and you like to reach people. But yeah. you don't have a certain vision on, on how big that, that can can grow. No, I think, I believe if you, if you write... Uh, if if you write about topics you deeply care about that also resonate with others and you you enjoy doing that, then that also comes across in the platform. So it on LinkedIn, so it 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 grows, right? And it, I notice it, yeah, it resonates a lot on on LinkedIn. Like I'm not very active on Instagram as well. Like I also don't want to be on all social platforms because then I'm like it's it's also a danger then you're busy with that yeah you know? and, and my goal time. is not to be busy so <laughs> to facilitate I, my freedom and not be on the phone all day while i'm here in nature yeah i see because one of your objectives is to reimagine uh, work and leadership uh, shift toxic cultures yeah i think i asked this before but i want to to get clarity on this like do you feel you um succeed in in cultures to change or these people that work with you, are they more like than leaving their system? And the reason I'm asking, my dad once worked at a company and then there was a certain inspirational leadership seminar for the top people. Yeah. And after that, like within six months, like 80% of those managers <laughs> left, left the company. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the question is if that's a bad thing. I, I don't know. Maybe, I also, if they yeah. didn't want to be there. <laughs> so, so to what extent do you so you create definitely create awareness yeah. around certain things, but like, how do you yeah. see your impact on these toxic cultures? Yeah. So it just uh, to put a number on is we see that twenty five percent of the people who join the program uh, quit their job. Okay. So either start something new or they quit their job. So that that's what we we see. Uh, we also see that people who joined they then later um, suggest colleagues to really create a bit momentum of more people that have this vision and way of being at work. Uh, so that's cool to see that evolving. Um, but yeah, it takes time. Uh, and, and also in the, in my prior company where we focused on cultural transformations, like it takes like three, four years uh, for a company of a thousand people to have a totally different 
culture and structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It takes it takes a lot of time. But it is possible, and I think that was already great because seventy percent of those transformation fails, mm-hmm. and we've had uh, some really successful ones in Greece. Yeah, I, I I see. So so these twenty five percent they quit their job and maybe they they start purposeful initiatives. Yeah. And these seventy five percent they yeah they they can have an effect. Um, uh, yeah, what can I ask about it? I mean, is this possible to measure, or is it more intuitively uh, that you feel the, the people create positive change? Um, yeah, so it's it's hard to to measure it um, because it's it's different in every situation. But there are of course um, measures for a toxic culture. So we and how you could shift that. So we've created a, um, a questionnaire. So we're now doing research upon all our uh, participants. Uh, we call them their impact stories. So we do research to their impact stories to gather stories of change. Ah, so it's story-based uh, evidence, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it can be, for example, there's one uh, participant who joined and um, uh, she is there, the uh, head of HR, and she introduced, for example, no meeting Wednesday to mm-hmm. give people more time to, to focus and um, to not be interrupted by all those meetings. Um, and she shifted also the way people um, uh, how I say, g- give feedback. So to give and receive p- feedback on a monthly basis, um, to create more openness and trust in the team. And you can see how that benefits uh, the, you know, the, the productivity and engagement of the team. But, it, but it's a longer term uh, process. So we started the On Purpose Studio two years ago and we're continuously like figuring out how we can measure the impact. Mm-hmm. I see now, but I can see that with these specific things like no meetings or certain feedback and that these stories, you can see how they, uh, yeah, how... Uh, then it's mostly uh, what we what we what we get back from people is they say, well, I'm aware of my own patterns and I'm less in my own way, so that's one, and I feel more free to be my authentic self or to speak my truth, and and that people in the organization afterwards take them um, more serious, so to ask them for more advice, involve them in more projects and meetings. That's a shift for them personally, and in the collaboration with others, uh, we see that they're. Uh, a big decrease in um, uh, conflicts and misunderstandings. Ah, I see. Yeah, well, that's uh, that sounds amazing. It sounds like um, a good uh, program. I mean, it's eight o'clock here, so it's nearly uh, dinner time for me. But I was curious: is there anything that uh, I should have asked? Is there a topic that uh, that we missed? Something that you want to want to share? Uh, yeah, we discussed a lot of a lot of things. Time <laughs> flies. Yeah, we talked a lot. Yeah, I talked a lot. Um, no, I, I think we've uh, yeah we've discussed a lot of things about like freedom and like living in nature. And I'm actually curious from for from you because you've been uh, traveling the past year. Yes, and um, like have has your vision for how you want to live like live more in nature has that changed this year definitely things have changed so some of the things you mentioned they they resonate so i want to in a way i became a bit more feminine so i want to live in flow uh, in the present 
Yeah. I want to live less from a fear that I need to know what happens like in two months or next year or in three years. So it's really in flow what feels good in the in the moment. And I shifted really my, my definition of success around like working hard. So I feel if I have more time for my own things, for family, for friends, that's important. Yeah. And I agree with like the minimalistic uh, yeah, way of living and, and, and back to nature. I lived in a community in Costa Rica for two months where we lived in the, in the jungle. We had uh, celebration ceremonies with community. So I really like this idea of living together with, with families and living in harmony with, with nature. I'm yeah. still finding out how to apply this in, uh, yeah, in real life. Yeah. Um, and I felt for a longer time I was focused on business and, and, and work. And also in the interviews I did for Emers was business-oriented. But now with Soul Kitchen, I want to have honest conversation with people more about life. And also inspire others to uh, to share about their lives, their their dreams, their challenges, and and kind of have truthful conversations. Yeah. Well, if anything, uh, that I hope that's my contribution with this this project that people have yeah truthful conversations because sometimes it feels that we spend a lot of time on things that don't really matter. Yeah. And that's hard to measure, but it's more feeling than I. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. True. Does that. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, it sounds like a really beautiful shift. Yeah, really yeah. powerful. And I really, I really defined like I like to create uh, content, and um, I like to create maybe content that sticks. So, so this podcast, like I was considering writing a book, but then I realized I still have so much to learn, and I'm also maybe not a writer, more an interviewer. So with this podcast. I think it suits me now. And then I trust that, uh, yeah, the maybe money will come later, but I also created some financial buffer. So that's, it makes it easier. Yeah. But this project is really, uh, started with, with trust and really something that I really enjoy doing, uh, instead of really thinking what it will emerge in or what, how it will look like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or that it has to give you certain financial security. Yes, that's it. And, yeah. uh, um, and I'm trusting that through the people I interview, I'm learning. Maybe I collaborate with some of these people, so it will bring me to a path that I find interesting. And for instance, podcast, like today I met this guy. I mentioned that earlier. He creates uh, the first uh, cryptocurrency based on love. So there yeah. are love farms around the world in Nepal and Philippines where people meditate and send love to people and then you can buy a subscription and then basically uh, every day one hour people <laughs> someone sends love to you <laughs> yeah it's, it's very visionary project because maybe a membership on love <laughs> membership on love and and crazy. like five years ago revolutionary huh? i think i would uh, only work on maybe business related concept because it would, I don't know, maybe my environment would validate it or maybe I thought as a man I need to do that. But now I open up more to these like love type of, of projects and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see where, where that goes. Yeah, and there's a lot we don't know, right? So, so I always, because when we assume we know and we understand uh, our world and the reality, but then new science comes and we realize we didn't know a lot or it's it's totally different. So I also try to be open when new concepts like that come. Like, okay, might be 
might be no. useless, right? Might be really valuable, and it's just interesting to learn more about it. There's a lot that we uh, that we don't know. So yesterday, the Paul McKenna was at Mind Valley. He's a British uh, hypnotist. Yeah, uh, and we had to um, to to think about something that we were not happy about, and then in like two minutes, he was saying certain things, and we had to do certain exercise with our eyes, and suddenly. I see it completely differently. And um, yeah, that's also about pattern shifting. Uh, but yeah, I never knew that hyp hypnotism would work. Um, yeah. But yeah, this mind valley is like a complete yeah, crazy, yeah. Lab, lab of uh, of new things. Um, so yeah, that's a bit my my learning. And I at this point in time, I like this community way of living so the the pachamama that i've been in the mind valley and this project i'm going to in portugal they really yeah appeal to me yeah um so let, yeah let's see how 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 yeah how that will go yeah yeah so, nice yeah. to explore it and to yeah to see yeah. yeah to learn from so many people you meet yeah but that's now that's really exciting and uh um i like to meet other people like yourself that uh uh, stepped into a new way of living so this mind valley app recommends you to three people every day and there's this german guy that got recommended to me and he had like a job and a house and everything and now he let go of everything and he's exploring a new new way of living so that's that's really exciting to meet people that are in a similar similar path yeah yeah definitely yeah so how was your totally. first uh, podcast? This this becomes a meta discussion, but we can include it on the podcast. <laughs> how, was your, how was your first podcast? Yeah, really fun. I really enjoyed it a lot, this conversation. And th yeah, thanks again for, for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I love to discuss these topics. And, and also through the conversations, it also gives you new insights yourself. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It's true. You never know what to... What what pops up and maybe a last question before we finalize so um as a listener and if i want to live more on purpose of course i can sign up for your program but if i don't sign up for your program for whatever reason what are pragmatic first steps that you recommend because the soul kitchen is also every guest shares kind of their recipe yeah so what are like what's like a summary of steps that people can take <laughs> okay uh yeah good question um yeah, I think to to question to question the way you live and the way you you lead and how you feel about that, mm -hmm. not how other people might feel about that, but like how you feel about that, and then either to be you know more grateful for where you are, because a lot of the problems we have are, are luxury problems, or to change it if you want to. If you'll be surrounded by different people or if you want to uh, work in a different way or be different, like in the way you you have become, right? You can always change. You can always change the way you live. You can change the way you react to a situation. I think change is always possible. Um, and I would like to encourage people just to to make that change if they, if they want to. Uh, because there, there's always going to be uh challenges doesn't matter if you choose to change or not right there mm -hmm. are going to be worries and there's going to be feelings of of worry or regret but i think in the end it's most important 
to just give it a try. Nothing is definitive. Same for me. If I, like after being an entrepreneur in Greece for five years, I switched to uh, to Portugal, and then um, after a relationship uh, ended, I found my own way in Portugal and bought a land here recently, like three months ago, because this feels right for me now. But maybe in the five years, I'm like, nah, this is uh, uh, okay. Now I'm done with this or something, and I go on to something else. And I think that's also okay. Like it, we don't have to find that one big um, answer. You know what I mean? Like that one big purpose or that one yeah. big shift. I think our life is more like a journey of small shifts and big shifts, and um, yeah, just to encourage you to 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 follow your heart to do. And it sounds cliche, but just to do what is important to you, to make time for what's important to you. And to not worry about the, the 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 validation or judgment of others, because in the end it doesn't matter. Yeah, I really like that. So first, it's question the way you live, then be grateful for where you are, and if you're not happy, then change it. Yeah. And it's not about the big shifts, finding the big purpose, but like being happy in in the in the small things in life, and and don't look too much for validation by by others. It's it sounds indeed so simple. But it's it it's not, especially the complaining, right? Some people <laughs> are not happy, but then can yeah. really complain about the job for like a long time. Yeah. So I like to be grateful or or change it. Uh, yeah, thing. be grateful. You have a job, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, and if you don't like it, change it. And 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 I think it's so powerful because a lot of of how people around us are has a lot to do with with ourselves. And uh, the complaining thing, I think it's. It's something um, so common, right? The, but uh, that we have such toxic ways of connecting nowadays. Yeah. We've, we, we, we overeat together. We, we overdrink. We complain. We gossip. Uh, we take drugs. It's, it's all very toxic. And, um, uh, yeah, and we feed it ourselves. <laughs> so it's also, I think it is this this urge for more uh, connection what a lot of people have i think it's also yeah a lot to do with how we connect with each other and that there are also ways like you said maybe live in a community but maybe can be be in nature together or or have a truthful conversation or sit by the fire or just be present with with each other and and be open and be honest and vulnerable i think that is uh really powerful way and beautiful ways of connecting uh, which are less common um, than the mainstream toxic ways of connection well thank you for sharing this i really uh, enjoyed our uh, conversation nearly two hours and people thank you for for listening hope to see you uh, next time and um yeah maybe see you in portugal uh, caroline and if not i will uh, follow you uh, your adventures uh, online yeah, thanks so much, Jasper. And uh, I can't believe we talked for two hours. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's great. And, uh, I hope to see you in Portugal in September. That, that will be cool. I will stop the recording. Mm-hmm.